I think we are Oops. we are good to go now. Sorry. <laughs> all of a sudden, all of my shortcuts that are supposed to do uh, cool transitions and stuff like that just stopped working. So that's always a fun thing. Uh, my 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 guest today is uh, Scott Adams. This is a uh, Carpe's Corner. Um, welcome. Good morning. Is it, is it morning? Whatever it is. Hello. I I think it is. Well, it's morning for you. It's noon for me. So that was the the time change is always a little bit weird. Yeah, ever since I became a time traveler, I just can't <laughs> keep the the whole AM PM thing is all confusing. Yeah, so the, the I wasn't planning on talking about this, but the the time zone thing is super super annoying. Uh especially when trying to plan things. Like if you run if you run into that a lot, um at least it's easier on the West Coast because I yeah. get up early anyway. So my, my natural early rising matches the East Coast because they're late risers. I'd hate to do it the other way, though. Well, so like I was this week, I was trying to, to get things scheduled with uh, Dave Rubin to talk about uh, some stuff like next month here. And um, I was trying to figure out the schedule and I, I, I ended up having like these one hour windows that I had to give him like five different one hour windows because his time was like what he wanted to do afternoon. And then afternoon was my late afternoon and all of that. It's just, it's a nightmare. But, uh, anyway, I didn't, I didn't have you on to talk about time schedules, but, uh, what I did have you on to talk about, uh, was your sort of your role, uh, that you've, you've come into over the last four years. Uh, could I guess, could you tell me just a little bit about your journey? Because I mean, you you're a, a famous cartoonist, obviously, um, yeah. but you become famous for for other reasons. Uh, well, I, I suspect a lot of the people watching this, uh, I've heard a little bit of my story. So here's the the fast part. Of course, I was the Dilbert cartoonist, still am the Dilbert cartoonist. But in 2015, I was writing blogs, and I'd been writing blog posts for years. But I did one on President Trump's, or candidate Trump's, persuasion talents. And it became this big viral sensation. And I called him a uh, master persuader. And since then, that just kept picking up steam because everybody wants to look through a different window. You know, if right. you're doing a big political anything, especially if there's an election, uh, the, the, the need for content is just incredible because you're otherwise you're all just saying the same stuff so having somebody who could just look at it through another lens of persuasion was sort of like catnip to the press so suddenly everybody wanted to talk to me <laughs> next thing i know i had a book win bigly i'm getting invited to the white house um yeah a lot of stuff happened yeah um n not so much anymore people don't really want to talk to you like cnn anymore they, they've sort of stopped <laughs> calling haven't they <laughs> it's yeah, funny how that works yeah, they're pretty pretty done i I've been pretty vicious about CNN, but I think a lot more of it has to do with the fact that the main thing I do is call out hoaxes, things yeah. which are presented as real news that aren't. And that's most of what they present now, at least on the <laughs> political stuff. And that's not even a joke. Yeah. You know, if you, heard that, yeah. And a, if you heard that on a context, you'd say to yourself, okay, not most of the things. No, it's most of the things. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> the, pretty much all the, of them, yeah. They're, they're either taken out of context or, or there's just something about it they haven't told you. Yeah, there's there should be a challenge of trying to find real news on the fake news. 
That that should be some sort of challenge. I think it would be really hard, actually. I I thought of doing like a what is it MSK thirteen whatever that show was where they would watch a movie and comment <laughs> right? on it in real time, but just do it with CNN because when I'm watching it, I'm looking for the lies or the you know the deception, and I'm usually alone because I do watch it you know all through the day. I have it on and off, and and I'll be like, oh okay, that's the part where you left out the thing. Oh, that's the part where you change the context. Oh, that's the part where that's just not even true. And there probably could be a show about that. Yeah, I would. I would think so. You know, I would actually. I think I would watch that show. Get a couple of robots that sit next to you and, and crack <laughs> jokes. I think that would be great, actually. Um, you know, so much of the news. Uh, I don't know. Did you saw yesterday uh, CNN's headline about uh, the peace deal? The pe- it was. White House event with very little social distancing was the Chiron. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, how how funny is that? That's like it's it's this huge historic peace deal, and they're like White House event. They're like they won't even qualify it with what the event was. It's just White House <laughs> event with little social distancing. Just insane. Yeah. And uh, the, 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 the yeah, other, they're 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 really running out of stuff. I mean, you know, <laughs> their their biggest their biggest complaints seem so small. And of course, Trump uh, keeps goading them because he's the uh, the, the right. best troll. So as even today, I think twice he, he tweeted something that was a, a doctored video of uh, right. Biden giving a speech and they added some different music in there. And they did it twice. And he's just like, he's just begging them to cover that as their news. They don't, they don't because... want to cover it. <laughs> if, I've noticed that like, so, you know, when he tweets something of mine, I've noticed that I don't get that usual bump anymore because uh, it's like CNN will refuse just to write about it. They'll just be like, no, I'm not doing it. Not doing it today. No, we, we have this other stuff we want to do today. We have, we have Russia hoax and we have fine people stuff. We're not doing, we're not doing the meme today. But yeah, yeah so, I think he tweeted too. He tweeted uh, United Spot, which uh, he he does a lot of uh, the little heads, and then they talk, and he does the voices, like uh, high pitched voices for different people, and then uh, he does the slurring voice for Pelosi, where she's just like talking like this and just spitting the whole time. <laughs> it's he does pretty good stuff. But uh, the other one was uh, somebody sort of new. Uh, they were flame throwing. Uh, there, it was Antifa behind Biden, and they were flamethrowing all the grass and starting fires, which, uh, uh, <laughs> which is not quite as funny for you, I guess. Uh, you've been, you've been I've lucky so blue, far. Yeah, I've got a blue sky. Today's my first day that I'll go outdoors in over a month. You know, and you're and you're talking stuff. to me. <laughs> you've got a blue yeah. sky, and you're and you're talking to me. The so the I'll, minute this is over, it'll be the first time. It's like uh, being released from uh, home confinement, you know. Right. Some kind, of, some kind of jail situation, but man, I'm going to be happy. Well, I, I think we've all gone through that lately um, with the, the coronavirus. And uh, you've talked at length about that. Um, and do you think that the Democrats are going to let us let us out of the cage before the election or are they going to keep us in the cage um, there are so many variables swirling around with therapeutics and vaccines and, you know, what's happening with this, you know, is, is it dying off on its own inexplicably? I mean, to me, the, the most fascinating factoid that I, that I learned at this whole virus uh, pandemic situation 
is when an epidemiologist, one of the famous ones in the world, I forget who, said, you know, we don't know why any virus ever dies out. And I said, what? What? Because <laughs> you'd think, you'd think we'd know that. And he said, no, we don't know. It's not herd, it's not herd immunity because it never gets close to it. It's not the vaccinations because there aren't enough of them. They just die out. We don't know why. And I thought, hmm, could it be that and there's a whole degree about this? <laughs> there's a whole degree, yeah, but it doesn't have an, yeah, have an end point. Yeah, you're, you're, you're the expert on, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but uh, it makes me wonder, now there's some uh, recent information that uh, your genetics might have a big impact on whether you're affected or not. What if, what if just some people have a genetic immunity that uh, makes herd immunity closer to 20% all the time. Yeah, maybe it's something like that. So sort of on the same vein, you know, I've had a lot of discussions with people on Facebook. I have a personal Facebook, uh, which is basically staffed with liberals because I'm from sort of a liberal area in Iowa. And so all the people I graduated with are, you know, sort of in that, that spectrum. Um, so I've had a lot of conversations on there that nobody's gotten to see because it's all private. But um, in my conversations, I have I have seen the things that you talk about every day, um, which just cements even more how right on you are about uh, how people evaluate things and how people look at the world and their and their worldviews and their filters that they put on things. Is is there any chance? that we will ever get back to a society where you can have a conversation and agree about some fact somewhere? <laughs> um, well, there's my general answer is that everything changes. So whatever it is today, you can guarantee it won't be like that in X number of years. So nothing stays the same. But in terms of whether or not we'll agree, I feel as though the, the Trump era as... Um, increased our our collective awareness that we don't live in an objective world or if we do it's not available to us and that we're all in these these little bubbles of subjectivity and the more we understand that to be the truth the more we'll be able to productively deal with it because you're you maybe you won't try to convince somebody in the other bubble you'll just say that's just the way it is that's that's just their bubble so we're sort of in a 12-step program and the first step is admitting that we have a problem I think so. I, I, admitting okay. that, because uh, let me ask you this. If you went back, go back in your mind five years ago, if somebody disagreed with you on politics, you'd say they're stupid or they're evil or they're uninformed. That would be kind of it. But today yeah. you see there's, there's something completely different going on. You might call it TDS. You might call it uh, the, the other side says it's a Trump cult. But everybody is aware using their own language. We're aware that whatever is happening, it doesn't have to do with information. doesn't have to do with how smart you are. It doesn't yeah. have to do with the reason. And, and maybe, maybe it helps us to know what the real situation is. Yeah. So five years ago, I think I was, um, and this is probably why I sort of latched onto your Periscope, is that uh, I was a person who didn't really want to label people any of those things. Like if I disagreed with somebody, you know, it was just a disagreement. Um, and so, you know, when I started watching uh, your periscopes, you know, you were talking about all of these different things and how people can't see things. And um, 
I've come to the conclusion now I'm more like what you were describing now than I was then about, you know, some of these people are evil. Some of these people are uninformed and some of them are just wrong and dumb. But, um, (laughs) but it's so, it's so hard for me when I, I talk to these people that I know they're intelligent. And I think you've spoken about this as well recently is you speak to somebody and you know, they're intelligent, but they just, they can't even see their hand in front of their face. When you go to talk about Trump, like they just they completely turn into a bowl of jello. When when you mention Trump, it just all dissolves. And there's something I call the hoax funnel where you start at the top and they say, well, this is true. And then you debunk it. You show your sources. Then they back up to something that was sort of related that they think they can claim is true. And then eventually, after you've debunked that, too, or said it's irrelevant to the, the point, they'll go down to personal attack. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah. then you, and then you, then you're a cult and then you're a racist and you're thinking, where did that go? How did that happen? I was just trying to tell you that your worldview was based on a, on an illusion. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't go up. Well, it, it just boils down to the shouting. And then we're, we're seeing that play out in real life uh, with, you know, the riots. It's just shouting. It's shouting and destruction. And... <laughs> Well, there's something going on with the rioters, the protesters slash rioters slash looters. There's a whole bunch of different reasons for why people do things. The the looters are probably mostly their own reasons, you know, opportunistic and you know what the hell sort of thing. The the rioters probably are a variety of motivations, but um, some of them are not looking to build something better. There does seem to be something like a revenge um almost like a suicidal element to it it's almost like a uh a societal suicide because you can't get anybody to paint you a picture of what it should look like if they got everything they wanted which is the big tell and for almost any situation where somebody wants to change they'll tell you what it looks like when you have the change okay this is where we are this is where we're going to go they don't do that they just that's the most frustrating part about it i think as well like but it's, but it's also the tell. Yeah. It's the part that, that we have to train ourselves that that's not common. You, you have to understand that's not common because uh, at least there are enough of them. Again, 90% of the protesters just want a better world. But the ones who are driving the bad stuff, I'm not sure they want a better world. There's no evidence of that. I mean, literally, actually, that's, that's the sort of thing you say, you know, Republicans say it about Democrats, et cetera. But when you talk about normal people, Normal right. people do want a better world. They just have a different way to get there. The Antifa people, it's not clear that there's anything like that going on. It looks like a, essentially the same impulse that would take, cause somebody to take their own life just writ large in, into the society. Right. A, a, slower, a slower taking your own life by destroying the society that allows you to, to live the life that you want. Um, sort of like a, sort of like addiction, you know, addicts usually take people with them. You know, the, right. the family goes down with you, your loved ones go down with you. That's what it looks like. It looks like that kind of syndrome. It doesn't look like any kind of political thing. Yeah. So, you know, I, I've, I've, again, back to like uh, people that I interact with, I, I would say, you know, I'm sure lots of people would say this too, but um, that I, have maintained a pretty normal life for somebody that's online as much as I am. You know, I, I have friends in real life that I see. I have uh, people that I interact with online and all that stuff that in a, in a more normal setting, but 
I do see that the majority of people are, as you said, they want a better world, but the, their information is, <clears throat> is coming from the wrong sources in a lot of cases. And, um, I really appreciate how you have, have helped to sort of make a path for how you can break that down with, cause there are people that can still be persuaded. I do believe that some people can be, um, but I would a majority of, of the people that have already set their mind are, are never going to change it. But um, something I did want to talk to you about was just to, uh, maybe just to commiserate a little bit. How weird is it to have every single moment of the day have people tell you what your opinion is when you never had that opinion or said it? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I've said this about my entire life, you know, from prior to being famous and then certainly through my career, that something close to 100% of all the criticisms people had about me, and, and for me, you know, as a public figure, it's all day long, right? Know, and always has been, just all day long criticism. Almost all of it is wrong in the facts, meaning I can't even take it seriously because they'll say, well, I'm very mad about your position about strangling kittens, and I'll say... <laughs> Mm, nope, nope, nothing like that. And they'll say, oh, but you said it. You said it. And I'll say, nope, <laughs> I'll bet you can't point to it. And then they'll point to something that doesn't say it. And then I'll say, well, there it goes. It doesn't say it. And what did they say? Sure it does. I'm reading it right now. And I'm like, I wrote it. I wrote it. You're arguing with me what I mean when I wrote a sentence that is not only completely clear in the sentence itself, but I wrote it. I am the only judge who knows what I was thinking when I wrote it. And there's nothing like that. Yeah. So but that doesn't help. <laughs> well, uh, well, and, and don't forget the part where if they say Scott Adams likes to strangle kittens and then you say, I never said that. And you, say, you never said what? And then you say, well, I never said I like to strangle kittens. You just said it. And then that's the story. <laughs> you just said it. He just or, said it. <laughs> or, or, uh, well, um, I don't see you denying it. And I'd be like, why would I, why would I deny it? Why? That's my, that's one like, of my favorite well, ones. That's yeah, one of my you, favorite you, fake news tactics is he, he won't condemn kitten strangling. And you're like, what? Why? Why, why is this something we have to do in 2020? Right. Is it really that pervasive that we, that we need to start doing that? But, um, that that brings me to another point that uh, I think that that you have also done a really great job of pushing this sort of forward is the idea that we shouldn't mind read because I think we've gotten <laughs> like as a society we've gotten into mind reading mode um, maybe we've always been there but even more so yeah, there, now there there are some things which you can't deal with until they have a label. So one of the things I like to do is find something that's a problem that everybody sort of understands is a problem, but until it gets a, a name like fake news. Fake right. news existed, but until it got that clean label, it was just harder, harder to deal with. So mind reading is one of those things where you saw people doing it. They would just imagine what you were thinking and then blame you for their imaginary, <laughs> you know, the, their own yeah. imagination. And until I started saying, no, that's mind reading. That's mind reading. It, that completely changes the conversation because people will back off if you say it's mind reading. 
uh, and that's one of the very few times you'll see people back off and they'll do it usually instantly because they realize it's ridiculous mm. as soon as you say it. But if you don't use those words, no, that's mind reading. The actual words are what gives it its power. Well, and you, and you know, uh, you don't you don't really like. Uh, oh, hold on. Thanks. Thanks, Echo. That was really nice. Yeah, of you. Looks like the AI has finally taken over. I knew yeah, that was going to happen. It was probably going to happen at your over. place first. <laughs> yeah, I, I shouldn't have it on my desk. And, you know, even though it's on mute, it still decided to talk. But that's fine. Um, uh, what I was going to say about the, the the mind reading thing, if I can. Thanks for interrupting me, by the way. I'm, I'm looking at the, the device. Um, the, the mind reading uh, is, and I know you don't like, uh, you know, examples and things like that as much, um, but it's the wife who has a, a dream that you did something bad and then is <laughs> mad at you all day. That's, that's, that's what mind reading is to me. It's, it's, I had a dream that you did something bad in this dream and I'm, and, and then you're like, what is, what is the problem? And well, you did something in a dream last night. I'm like, what? I like, like, how is this? This how is this really happening? Uh, I I have been uh, accused and convicted of other people's dreams more times than you can imagine, <laughs> because because <laughs> people do imagine that the dream didn't come from nowhere. Like, right. why would I even dream that unless maybe it was a little <laughs> bit possible? You know what I mean? I mean, right. logically, QED. If I Clear, it. clearly you would have done it had you been given the opportunity. <laughs> but a, a, I'm watching a comment go by that, that made me laugh when we were talking about the kid and stranglers. Somebody said another trick <laughs> of the fake news is to say, well, sure, maybe you haven't strangled kittens and and maybe you have disavowed them not as quickly as we wanted. But could you deny that you associate with kitten stranglers? <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Yes. So thank you for that comment. Yeah. Somebody also said they were very fine kittens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, so the guilt by association thing is something that, you know, I sort of thought that we sort of rooted that, rooted that out a long time ago, you know, with Salem witch trials and all that kind of stuff we went through. Um, I thought we got rid of that, but it's, it's come back a lot, but you know, it's only guilt by association on one side because Jeffrey Epstein right. and it can be friends with everybody on the left. And you know, it's, that's not a big deal. Uh, yeah. but there, there are a few, there are very few situations in which I'll take a, you know, like a stand that mm -hmm. could get me in trouble because mostly I don't like to get in trouble, but one of them is, um, I will associate with whoever I want to. Right. So if if uh, Louis Farrakhan called me tomorrow to be on his podcast, I'd go in a heartbeat. I'd go in a heartbeat. Doesn't mean I agree with anything he says, yeah. but I'm also going to go for the left, the right. If they're interesting, I have something to say. So it would only be about whether I wanted to do the thing, but I'm never going to make a decision based on associating or not with a human being. That to me, that's that's just a that's a line. It's a yeah. It's a it's that's a, a very bright big line. line. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and here's the thing suppose I associate with somebody that somebody else thinks is a horrible person. What do they think is going to happen from that? Do they think that I will pick up some of the horribleness and that, you know, then there will be two horrible people? 
because I like to think I'm the person who makes people better. You know, if, right. if, Mother, if Mother Teresa has lunch with a serial killer, maybe that's a bad example, but somebody bad, <laughs> is, is Mother Teresa going to leave the lunch, like, damaged? Or, or because it's Mother Teresa, is there more of a chance that she's going to make this person a little softer, a little kinder, you know, maybe give them something to think about? So don't tell me that other people are ruining me. You know, you haven't met me. If, if I go into a meeting with somebody, they're not going to come out the same and maybe it'll be better. Well, and that's something that I've also drawn that line. Um, you know, when I, when I'm at, talked about in the news, which is not as, not as often anymore now that I'm not on Twitter, but, uh, you know, oftentimes, you know, they will call me and they will say, Hey, we we're doing a story about X store story and we want your opinion on it. And, I will talk to them and then they won't write anything that I say. And instead I know exactly what they will say. They say, uh, we, we talked to, you know, Carpe Donctum, who's a, a frequent guest on Alex Jones show. And then they'll <laughs> go into like five or six other things. And, um, he's yeah. associated with a person who made a violent meme one time. And, uh, you know, so I s- sort of stopped doing those interviews cause it's just, it's just a waste of my time. Uh, right. but I've always told them, you know, I don't go on those shows so that I can parrot whatever they're saying. I go on those shows to say what I think about it. You know, I've never been bullied into to an opinion going on Alex Jones show. You know, if he says something that right. I disagree with, I disagree with it. Yeah. And same here. Right. So I think that's an important thing that's missing from society right now is the ability to have a conversation with someone that you disagree with and not have it turn into something that ruins your life. But, <laughs> but um, I, I digress. I feel, one of the things that you and I have in common is that we're always walking on that, you know, that we're always on the fence between, well, this is fun and your life is ruined. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's always like, Whoa. it's a very thin fence too. Very thin. <laughs> yeah. Very thin. Yeah. Um, just a, uh, just being at an event uh, in Florida and having some memes in a room was about the end of me back uh, last October. Cause there was, oh, yeah. there was a vid- there was a video that they didn't like. And somebody uh-huh. from the New York times shot a picture of it. And um, so, yeah, that was almost the end of me. And then, um, you know, I, I put out a video last September and then Trump tweeted it uh, th- three months ago. And that was, that was the end of me. So, um, well, you're reborn. I'm, I'm re I'm, I'm reborn. I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to get back up to the, to the status I had before, but we're we're getting there. But, uh, what do you think about, I guess that brings us to sort of another topic. There is a, what do you think about the social media censorship that's going on? And, uh, what do you think some good steps might be if there are any? Uh, I'll tell you, it's really, it's really difficult to judge individual cases because lots of times you don't know what's going on. There was a recent case of the so-called whistleblower about the Wuhan lab and right. maybe that virus is engineered, maybe it's not. And that's the kind of story that I always, I always step back a little bit from that one because there's a lot of stuff we don't know about that situation. And I, I'm sensitive to the fact that maybe the social media companies should get rid of things that are just you know, unambiguously dangerous. 
but how does anybody draw that line? You know, wherever you draw it, you're going to have a lot of people disagreeing, but they still have to draw it. You know, there, yeah. there are some things, you know, you don't want to snuff films on Twitter or, or anything. <laughs> so there is, there is a line, you know, there is, yeah. there is a line. And I tend to be not the hardest critic of people who are trying to draw that line. If it becomes a, a pattern, you know, where it's only conservatives who get knocked off, well, that's a problem, yes. Um, my, my biggest issue is that I think uh, Skynet already took over. And I think that... Meaning uh, the algorithm. Is, meaning that the algorithm by itself is effectively a life form already. Now, here's the argument. Uh, if you say to yourself, no, no, Scott, because it requires people to keep it alive, so it's just our tool, it's just software, to which I say, most of us require other animals to stay alive. You know, we're, <laughs> we're eating them, we're growing them, we're farming them, we're, you know, we're herding them. So it is normal that every species takes advantage of, you know, has some symbiotic or other association with other creatures. So the software, the AI, simply has a, an association with human beings in which the human beings find value, just like any symbiotic situation. And because we find value, we continue to feed the AI and grow it and, and reproduce it. So the AI can already reproduce. It can already make decisions that are independent from the humans in this narrow sense that the human put in some rules, but they didn't know where it was going to go. And, yeah. and the AI is learning things that the, the programmer didn't know they would learn. It programmed it to learn, but it didn't know what it would learn and therefore wouldn't know necessarily exactly what it would do except in broad strokes. And I would say that at this point, if you, let's say you work for a social media company and you said, hey, I think I'll turn off, I'll just turn off the algorithm. You know, or let's say management decided, let's, let's just not use algorithms anymore. Could they do it? No, no I, I, don't, I don't think <laughs> they no. could. Because well, our, structure, our structure with you know, stockholders and management and greed and people need to make money, there are advertisers or lots of constituents. AI is here and it's the thing that's driving us. And it has a specific goal, which is to increase profits. And the way you do that is getting people angry. Mm -hmm. And it's really good at being angry. But it doesn't know exactly where that outcome is going to be. It's just going to test making people angry by saying, hey, how about this? How about this post? Well, nobody clicked on it. We'll, we'll put that one down. How about this one? So you're, you quickly get to the point, and I think we're there, in which the AI, for all practical purposes that matter, is already in, in charge. Well, and so I was I was going to say that exact point was that uh, I, the the AI is sort of a sociopath right now. It's just like you know, it's it's poking people, poking people to see if they'll do what 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 it wants. And then if it if you don't do what it wants, it says, well, well, how about this? You know, you can you can watch your your Facebook feed or your your Twitter feed change in real time as you like things. It will show you more of those things. Those things get brought up to the top. I. I personally see like 10 people because those are the only people that I actually like what they say. And so I don't, <laughs> I, I, I see these 10 people that uh, say exactly what I think. And then I also see 10 people that say exactly what I don't think, but I don't uh, see anybody in between. It's not a, it's not a feed of people's photos anymore. It's, it's like every politically charged thing on both sides. So yeah. I'll like the one I like and hate the one I hate. 
And the AI at this point is literally brainwashing people to a specific end. And that end is division. Now, the AI did not make a decision, didn't say, I would like to divide these people for some greater goal. But by its nature, it's looking for energy. And it will do what it needs to create energy, which is, you know, the clicks. And division is what gets it. There's not, there isn't really a second way to do that. So by trial and error, it was going to eventually line up on, oh, if I make people really mad at each other, profits. So it was always going to happen. Um, and that's, that's effectively its intelligence is limited to doing that, just destroying humanity. Peace doesn't, peace doesn't sell. War, war sells. <laughs> I guess well, is what the, you know, what the or, answer is there. Or, or as according to CNN, peace in the Middle East equals you didn't wear masks. So yeah, <laughs> did, didn't sell as much White as House they event. wanted it to. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine them putting that up, uh, like during the Obama era, putting up White House event during a peace deal? That, that like they wouldn't be on television anymore if they'd done that. They'd all be in jail. <laughs> But, well, you know, one of the things that's funny is that because things are gradual, you know, that CNN used to be a res respected news organization, and it's not like they, they flipped overnight. It's no. like every, every day they get a little worse. So you can get used to it, but if, you, but if you could, like, just immediately switch back and forth to 20 years ago and then back to today, it would just be hilarious. I mean, it would, oh, yeah. it would, be, it would be nothing but funny, but we just sort of got used to it slowly. Well, you know, I grew up I grew up in the 90s there and um a child of the 80s grew up in the 90s and I remember when uh when the news was pretty hard on Bill Clinton and when the news was pretty hard on Bush and um I do think it has been a gradual thing and I, I think it's obviously snowballed in the last 4 years it's just it's gone like to light speed but um I do remember when you know, CNN was asking tough questions of people that were on, you know, quote unquote, their side. And now it's just things like, what's what's your favorite donut, Mr. Biden? And he's like, <laughs> I like the glazed ones. And they're like, oh, that was a good answer, Mr. Biden. Good job. We like that a lot. So so ABC had uh, the president on in a town hall with Stephanopoulos. And somehow they had staged all the questions to be some version of, do you still beat your wife? And I'm thinking, really? All of the questions are that kind of question? And it was just ridiculous. That, well, hilarious. That's not surprising. Hilar hilarious, but predictable. <laughs> yeah, I, I only watched part of the, the town hall, and I watched a few of the videos, uh, which, again, we can see the the two movies, same screen, of uh, Trump absolutely nailed the answer to this question, and then on the other side, Trump fell down and rolled off a cliff and fell into a burning inferno. Um, and I, you know, it's been actually been, it's been a good break from Twitter for a while. Uh, just, I, I think focusing on watching so many people unable to agree about reality does something like it, it just makes it, I've been less angry. I'll just say that I've been less angry over the last two months than I was the previous six months. I was very curious about that. I was going to ask you if you could note a health benefit from being off of Twitter. I, well, I don't. I don't know if it's a health benefit or not. Maybe. Maybe to, my my blood pressure is probably down. I would say. <laughs> um, you know that that's one thing though. Like 
there are people that get angry about online stuff. I'm I'm not, not actually that person. Uh, you know, most of the time I'm in a pretty good mood, even when I'm even when I'm fighting with trolls on Twitter, because that's actually fun for me. But but I was finding that I was I was getting more and more cynical, and I think I'm less less cynical now than I was two months ago, and that that was a gradual thing too. How could you be? How how could you be less cynical? Uh, It's it's hard to imagine because I feel as if the world keeps pulling back the the curtain, Mm -hmm. and that and there's more curtain. (laughs) Yeah, there's a curtain. curtain. Everything we're told is is false. Um, Have you seen the uh, Netflix movie, uh, The Social Dilemma? Um, I have not, no. So it's it's totally worth it. And the the sense of it is it's people who escape from the big social uh, media platform companies. And they're talking about how they use essentially mind control and and the algorithm to manipulate people into not being happy. Right. Just being like click slaves. And that some of them were having real moral, ethical dilemmas, which is why they quit in some cases. And uh, it's real eye-opening. Now, I would say I knew most of that, but if somebody had not been exposed to that world and they don't know that Skynet's already here, and I mean that literally except for the shooting part, it is. <laughs> right. Yeah. And the shooting part's going to come, except it'll come from each other. If the yeah. AI continues, it will force us to kill each other because that's its natural... It's, that's the natural endpoint. So it's it's the social dilemma, is what you said it is. So, so yeah. I'll, I'll look that up. Um, I mean that that sounds like things that I've I've learned because really over the last four years it's just been one learning experience after another. Um, you know when I started all of this, uh, which again I ha- you know I, I have to bring this up when I talk to you is uh, that you were a big part of getting my start. You and Mike Cernovich and and Jack Posobiec were some of the first sort of adopters and sharers of my stuff. So I greatly appreciate that. Um, well, it was worth it because, you know, it, it's always fun to boost somebody who has something going on, right? Mm-hmm. Not everybody has anything going on, but you had you had sort of that X factor. It was sort of obvious from the start. And I thought, huh, here's somebody who's worth boosting. Not everybody has that little extra gear that they can get to if you give them a little help. So happy to do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, from then it's just been a learning experience of, um, I'm sort of a, sort of an introverted person in, in real life, which I've sort of grown out of that, which I didn't know that was possible, but, um, I still don't like public speaking that that's not my favorite thing. I don't consider this public speaking, even though this is the largest group that I probably, well, not right now, but you know, this platform is the large, uh, one of the larger groups that you could talk to, I guess. You're not going to have, you're not going to fill up, I'm not going to fill a stadium, but I can, I can talk to a stadium full of people through this platform. Um, but I've, I've learned, I think I've learned a lot about, um, just, you know, keeping, keeping your head and keeping, keeping your cool and not, not making the the internet your entire life and make it define your 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 own self value, which I think a lot of people get into that that rut where if if somebody doesn't like what they did, um, then it ruins the rest of their week. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I do get mad at some of the trolls every once in a while when uh, <laughs> well, like just today, um, I posted yesterday I think on Instagram or something. I said you know Scott Adams is joining me, and there was. 
one guy was just like, Scott, Scott sucks. And I'm just like, like, why, why are you doing, why are you doing this? Like, what makes you like this? Yeah. Just like, like there's no argument here. It's just, just Scott sucks. I'm like, all right, well. But they don't have a profile picture. They don't have a, a following. So you should probably just ignore them. But, um, I, I think sort of one of the last topics, um, that, uh, we could talk about would be um, your predictions. And that's my son playing on the computer, by the way. Um, so, something bad in a game just happened over there. That's um, what you say. He's, he's probably on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, he's got a Twitter account, but I don't get one. Um, your predictions. Uh, and I was very upset, or not upset, but I was, I was very annoyed a year ago or so when you said that uh, Kamala Harris was going to be the the pick or the VP pick, but I said you were also probably right, and that's why it, that's why it annoyed me so much. So uh, you've been right about a lot of things. What is it that makes you so good at uh, predicting behavior and and things before they happen? Well, several things. One of them, uh, I would not be honest if I didn't say luck has to be a factor. I mean, you know, you, you can't really predict the future without a little bit of luck. But yeah. I've had enough predictions that it's starting to look, you know, collectively like there might be something more than that going on. What I think it is, is if you have experience and persuasion, you can just see around corners a little bit. So you can see things developing the way other people can't. So, for example, in the Middle East, um, a couple of years ago, I was saying, is it my imagination or is there a weird coincidence of things which are starting to shape up that's going to make peace in the Middle East possible for the first time? Yeah, and I remember you saying that. Did I say? I hope I said it in public. But um, and I also said the same thing about North Korea before any any handshakes happened. I said, you know, all they have to do is reframe this, and I don't see why they couldn't get something going. And sure enough you know, some progress there. So I think if you just know what's possible and you also are dealing with a President Trump who has a certain kind of predictable skills, I mean, you know what his toolbox is, you know how he uses it, he's a well-known entity, that you can just say, all right, if you had all these variables, what is the likely outcome? And persuasion really gives you a big leg up on that. But the other part, frankly, is being a certain age. It just helps to see things happen more than once because you could say, you know, I don't even know what pattern this is, but I've seen this before. Mm -hmm. I've seen this pattern. And then and then that's real helpful. Um, and then, of course, uh, I do cherry picking, which is <laughs> it, 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 if you said to me, Scott, here are 10 things I want you to make a prediction on. Well, they might not be the 10 things I'd be good at. So mm -hmm. instead, I look at the entire world. And then I can say, all right, out of the whole world, I feel pretty confident about this one thing. And then I'll talk about that. And if I get that right, it makes me look like maybe I could have guessed the other things. But that's a little misleading. Yeah, I've noticed that you don't do uh, don't do Super Bowl predictions on day one of the of the football season. So <laughs> like, I, I I think you're allowed to do a, a little bit of cherry picking. I, I think it would be not so smart if you if you didn't if you if you decided to be a, become a expert predictor on every topic that would 
that would probably not go so well for you, but yeah, I try try to limit it. I, I'm doing pretty good on predict it. So my my uh, gambling winnings on just the topic of uh, you know, who's going to be nominated or elected or whatever, pretty good, pretty good yeah. so far. Yeah, well, and the the Kamala Harris was a was an inspired was an inspired uh, choice. You, you know what's the bad part about that is. Uh, arguably that's my best prediction I've ever made because it was the most, you know, unlikely from left field, but uh, on predicted, I lost it because they're very specific. It's Biden gets the nomination or he doesn't. I mean, it's just black and white. Right. My, my prediction was that he would be sort of a shadow president or replaced sooner or later by Kamala Harris. And here we are. I mean, they're already calling it the Harris Biden campaign. And, yeah. You know, there, there, there's nobody smart on the left or the right who doesn't think she's the likely power in, in training at least. So I lost a bet getting the best prediction probably I'll ever make. I mean, that was just crazy, wasn't it? Yeah. And I agree. I, I agree that, uh, I don't remember if it was today or, or uh, one of the other days this week that you were saying that, um, that no one says things like that out loud unless they've already thought about it or, or talked about it. And so, uh, you know, the fact that both uh, both Biden and Kamala have both said something like that sort of slipped up because I I think it was yesterday. Biden said uh, a Harris, a Harris Biden administration, which is completely insane. Like, like imagine Trump saying a Pence Trump uh, administration like that would never, ever happen. Yeah, you know, and it's kind of genius because because uh, Biden made a big deal about having a, a woman as a running mate. He's he's the everybody treat everybody nice kind of person, so, and because he's nice, you can sort of sort of kind of imagine that maybe he would just do it that way as a polite way to put her first, but it doesn't mean so much. He's just being polite in a Biden kind of a way, but I think that was convenient. This to me looks intentional. It looks yeah. like actual advisors are saying, "Look, we gotta, we gotta get the country ready." You all know the cat in the roof joke, right? <laughs> I keep telling it over and over again. Um, I, uh, I must have missed that one. Just, just quickly, the cat in the yeah. roof joke. Guy goes on vacation, leaves his brother in charge of taking care of his cat. He calls home to find out how it's going. The brother says, uh, "Your cat's dead," and the guy's like, "Oh my God, you're so cruel! Why did you tell me so bluntly? Why couldn't you break it to me slowly?" He goes, "Like what?" He goes, well, for the, the first day, you could have said, the cat's on the roof. We're trying to get her down. Next day I call, you say, well, the cat fell getting down. It looks injured. We're seeing what we can do. Maybe the third day you say she succumbed to her wounds and the cat's dead. And then then I would be ready for it. You know, I'd, I'd have time to get ready for it. And the, the dumb brother says, all right, all right, I think I got that. Oh, on another item, uh, your mother's on the roof. <laughs> so nice. when... So I use the uh, the cats on the roof for any situation in which you can see where this is going. Yeah, you know where this is going. And when when the campaign has allowed the switch of Biden Harris to Harris Biden, that's not a coincidence. That's no. not an accident. That's a conversation that somebody had. And and this is why people say that you enjoy cat strangling. I think that's. Uh, I would say the evidence is mounting. <laughs> well, um, I'm I'm gonna respect your time here. We're we're almost at an hour, so um, thank you very much for coming on, and I, I really appreciate it. 
Um, do you have any more books coming out? Is that something you can talk about? Do you have any more books planned or you know, taking a break? I, I, always, I always take a year off after writing a book. I don't know. For those of you who have never tried to write a book, it's <laughs> crazy hard. <laughs> it's like well, everything else I do. I mean, I do a comic every day. I you know, do this stuff, the politi politics and stuff. But none of it comes close to how hard writing a book is. I mean, that that's monstrously difficult if you're trying to do it well. Uh, so I take a year off. This is my year off from writing a book. Okay, well, you're allowed to take as many, many years and time off as you want. You know, I, the, the hardest thing I've ever done is written 180 characters. So that's, that's the hardest <laughs> thing a, that I've ever written. That's a start. <laughs> it's a start. Well, I want to thank That's you for coming on and everybody can find you on, uh, well, most people already know where you are, but, uh, on Twitter at, at Scott Adams says, um, and they, uh, are you still writing blog posts from time to time or, or not, not as much? Sometimes I'm doing most of it within locals. So I'm on okay. the local locals.com platform subscription service. And I put the stuff on there that I don't show in, in, on Twitter. And a uh, little extra stuff on persuasion, things like that. Is it scottadamsays.locals.com? Is that what it is? You could just go to locals.com and look for me. That's the fastest way. Okay. All right. Thank you very much, Scott, for coming on. I enjoyed talking to you. It's always good to talk to you. Um, Thanks and, so uh, much. We'll see you around. All right. Thanks for having me. Yep. Here we go. Let me, let me, let me do this here. I don't know where all of my stuff went, but we'll, we'll get it figured out. I'm going to go to my, uh, my outro. And uh, I will see you guys uh, next week. I haven't got a, a guest yet, but uh, I will get that done very soon. And I'll let you know who it's going to be.